You're listening to a teaching from Vineyard Church in Jacksonville, Florida. For more information on teachings and special events, visit us online at www.vcjax.org. That's vcjax.org. Now let's listen in. Bill and I have this little thing going on. I I told him this morning, I said, I don't really know how to introduce you. I've known uh, this good friend of mine, Bill, and his lovely wife, uh, Rosie. I guess we've known each other probably 12, maybe 15 years now. We've been part of a prayer group for many of those years. And, uh, yeah, and uh, uh, Bill's, Bill's one of those guys that's kind of done everything, and, you know, he's retired from, like, five other jobs and, and has five new jobs. And, and I'm like, I don't even really know how to introduce you. And he said, well, just tell him you're my friend. And I said, well, I can do that, you know. And to me, that's a... Um, it's a privilege uh, to introduce my friend uh, and brother. Uh, the best thing I know to say about Bill is he loves Jesus, and uh, that's that's about the highest compliment I can give you. But I've asked Bill to come and, and share with you guys this morning, uh, so open up your heart and receive. Thank you, William. Thanks, sir. I'm going to see Bob across the street at that thing with the ladies, because I know it's, he's so fired up. Um, yeah. Um, before I pray, I want to ask you guys a question. Um, how often do you come to church expectant that God's going to do anything? Now, I, cool. I'm, you're really good because I'm not that good. Uh, I, you know, there's a lot of times we just come, right? And uh, we just hang out and we don't expect God to move. And I bet you, if I asked another question, that if anybody has any needs that need to be met in this place, uh, you'd probably say, yeah, I got a few. Yeah. Anybody? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm going to pray that uh, God's going to move this morning, yeah. and he's going to meet your needs. Um, don't necessarily listen to what I'm going to say, because God will do stuff in spite of that, Okay. Um, but I just let's just pray that God's going to meet uh, your deepest need this morning. Uh, it might be healing uh, physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, whatever it may be. Okay? You guys on board? Yeah. yeah. You know, and if God moves in the middle of conversation, shout it out. Say, God moved and healed and restored. Amen? Amen? So let's pray. Father, I, I just pray right now that uh, you quiet our hearts, Lord, and place us in a position to hear and to receive this morning. I pray, Lord, that uh, you will be real this morning, that you would be tangible, that you would meet our deepest needs. That you would speak to our hearts. That you'd give us new revelation. Let us in on your secrets, Lord. I need to know some of your secrets. So I pray, Father, that you would do that this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here already. We just bless you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, Bob asked me to share a bit of my testimony because you guys have no clue who I am. Um, So I'm going to go back in ancient history, okay? (laughs) You're you're good with that? And I mean, I'm talking ancient history. 
100 years back at least. Um, when I was 16, two things happened to me that were incredibly important and monumental in my life. One is sitting right there, Rosie. Uh, we met when we were 16 in high school. She was captain of the cheerleaders, and I was captain of the basketball team. You can tell we had a very short basketball team. Um, uh, we've been married it'll be 46 years this June, and uh, yeah, amen. And she she still likes me, so that's even weirder. Um, um, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me, other than the Lord uh, was marrying her. So praise God. The second thing that happened is I decided to quit church. I don't think those two things are related. Um, But I I decided to quit church, and it's a long story. Uh, But I didn't want to be involved uh, with with a God or a religion that would allow me to go through the things I was going through in my family. It was not a a great place. Uh, It was filled with a lot of anger and bitterness, and it wasn't fun. Anybody ever experienced that in family life? I wonder why God puts families together sometimes. It just, it just boggles my mind. Um, I think I did continue to go to church on Easter and Christmas at obligation, and I like poinsettias and lilies, so I, I kind of showed up along the way, so it was pretty good. Um, after we got married, a uh, year after we got married, uh, the Lord uh, sent us to Akron, Ohio, which Rosie thought was out in the far west. We grew up in New Jersey and, and uh we moved to Ohio, which is only eight hours away, and I went to law school. I figured um, in place of religion and faith, I'd become rich and famous as an attorney. Not so much. Uh, but I'm convinced to this day I only went to law school for one reason, and that was to come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, uh, we didn't have any money at the time. Rosie was working in a hospital, and I had to work during the day and go to law school at night. So you can imagine how stressful uh, that was. Went to school four nights a week, uh, worked all during the day in the insurance industry. I was a claims adjuster, so I really got to see the greatest side of people you ever want to see. Um, you know, it was just, it was, it just boggled your mind. And in the third year of law school, uh, because of all that stress I was under, I got really sick. Rosie was at a conference in uh, Denver, Colorado at the time, and I was home. And in a three-day period of time, I lost between 13 and 15 pounds. Yeah, it was not cool. Um, I didn't really tell her on the phone when I talked to her. Uh, there was no cell phones back then. This is how ancient this is. Um, but I was, I was pretty sick. And uh, finally went to the doctor, and he uh, diagnosed it as ulcerated colitis, which... Yeah, okay. The Walmart guy knows what that is. Uh, And if you know about ulcerated colitis, usually it comes back every time you're under any kind of stress. So uh, here I am losing 13 to 15 pounds. He diagnoses it, and he says, I have two options for you, Bill. One is to stay in the hospital. The other one is just to stay at home and rest, no work, no school. I chose the latter rather than the former. Um, But the neat thing was, in the midst of that, God was at work. I had no clue what it meant to be a Christian. No clue. Personal relationship with Jesus. I had an aunt who we thought was a crazy nutcase, charismatic Pentecostal from the 50s. She was actually personal friends with Derek Prince. I mean, I'm going, okay, you're nuts, Aunt Anna. But she prayed for us all the time. Um, Anyway, there's a couple of uh, people in my law school that suggested I watch what they call a Christian Johnny Carson show. Anybody old enough to remember Johnny Carson? 
I know Bob does. Don't yeah. um, so I said, sure, what the heck? I had nothing else to do. So I turned it on the first day, and I was so tired, so exhausted. Uh, as they began to speak, I fell asleep. Okay. Second day, I turned it on, and the two guys who were the uh, MCs of the show, Pat Robertson and Ben Kinchlow, you know where I'm going with this? The 700 Club. So uh, Pat said, uh, well, before we get into the show, the Lord's prompted me to pray for people's healings. Okay. He goes, there's a 26-year-old young man out there suffering from ulcerated colitis. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps through my body right now uh, that the Lord is healing. And it was like lightning went through my body. Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, this lightning goes through my body, and I find myself on my knees, and this is kind of weird, in front of the television set with my hands on the TV. You've probably heard this before with somebody else's testimony. Thanking God for my healing, but inviting the Lord into my life. I didn't even tell Rosie. Uh, she had come to the Lord about a year earlier in a Life in the Spirit seminar in, in a Catholic church uh, where we went, where, where she went uh, to church. Uh, but she didn't even know. But all kinds of weird things started happening. Uh, a Bible showed up at my front door. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. I never notified uh, 700 Club about what had happened. Um, a few weeks later, uh, we were at a retreat center in a Life in the Spirit weekend. Uh, it was a Catholic retreat center, and it was, we were both baptized in the Holy Spirit. So in a matter of weeks, you know, amazing things happened. So I'm convinced to this day that I only went to law school for one purpose, and that was to find Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes we have plans, but God has a whole bunch of other things that he wants to do in our life, uh, which are far more important than anything where you can think or imagine. One funny story along the way, uh, I was, this testimony was so amazing in our law school that uh, they asked me to give my testimony at, what was the cathedral... It's a huge church in Akron, Ohio, and uh, I said, sure. I didn't even know what giving a testimony meant. Um, so uh, we show up, and there were 1,500 people there. It was a full gospel businessmen's like dinner. Um, that wasn't weird enough. It, my mother-in-law was there, who had no clue what was going on. So there I am up front giving this testimony, sweating bullets. Remember the first time you gave your testimony? I mean, you're just scared to death. You don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but here I am, you know, a few weeks shortly after this miracle happened, I'm giving my testimony before 1,500 people at a full gospel businessmen's meeting. And the Lord prompted us to start the Christian Legal Society on campus. Uh, it was just amazing. So I'm, I'm convinced that I went there for one purpose, um, was to, to come to the Lord. You know, he brought us down to Jacksonville in 78, and uh, I don't want to go into all the stuff that uh, God has allowed us to be part of in the city of Jacksonville. Uh, it's just been absolutely incredible for the 42 years, but um, part of the testimony, which to me is, is momentous, in 1982, I met a mutual friend of ours that Bob knows really well. Uh, his name is Ben Goldsmith. I know some of you guys probably know who Ben is here. Uh, he's been leading Campus Crusade for Christ in the city of Jacksonville since 1982. And I met Ben, and Ben challenged me along with 50 other guys 
to go through a practical Christian living course, which was a discipleship course. And uh, probably wasn't the best thing to do with 50 people because you couldn't really disciple 50 people at one time. But anyway, about seven or eight of us remained after that initial course, and, and Ben took us under, under his wing uh, and under the Lord's wing. But I remember Ben telling me that part of your responsibility as a believer is to be a disciple-maker, okay? So he challenged myself and, and Rosie, uh, and we got the privilege of discipling hundreds of people here in town, one-on-one, couples. You know, it's, it's been phenomenal. And the other thing he said to me, he said, what you do in life as an attorney is sacred, is important to God, just as, Bob, don't listen, just as any pastor, okay? How many of you folks in here are not pastors? Well, I'm here to tell you what Ben told me, that whatever you're doing is sacred in the kingdom of God. And he wants to use you in an incredible way to touch the lives of people all around you. That freed me up like I couldn't believe because I always thought a little bit of me, I was a second-class Christian because I wasn't a pastor. Well, being an attorney and a Christian is a bit of an oxymoron, but boy, we have a, we have a feel to, to, to meet people and share the gospel with people and to care for people and love on people. So whatever you're doing, God's given you a position of influence to be a minister for the gospel. So I thank God for Ben and what he did and how he helped Rosie and I move through that whole process. And he still continues to do it today. You know, he's been faithful uh, to that. And for that, we're, we're amazingly thankful. Um, had another weird part of the spiritual journey we've been on. In 2005, I was actually ordained as a priest. That's why Bob can't figure me out. Uh, And it's in the communion of evangelical Episcopal churches. It's not the Episcopal church, but it's a communion. And I became a priest. Rosie's actually a deacon in our communion. So here I'm an attorney and a pastor. I'm an oxymoron wrapped in confusion. You know, I just... (laughs) It's just incredible. But isn't that a little bit of how our lives are to a certain degree? Uh, you know, we're a little bit confused about our place and position in the kingdom of God because, you know, we're doing something that doesn't look kind of kingly, but it really is. You know, it really is. And, and God's good. I actually pastored a church. We pastored a church for four years, St. Barnabas Chapel. Um, Barnabas is my favorite character in Scripture. I'm going to talk a little bit about him because his name means son of encouragement. Anybody need encouragement? Yeah, Yeah, we all do. So as Bob said, uh, we retired from the marketplace. Rosie, a little over two years. I'm almost three years. And uh, we're on a new adventure. We are now prayer mobilizers. Anybody have any idea what that means? You want to know, right? Okay, cool. We're part of an organization. I think we, oh, Sharon's teaching Sunday school class, but Rosie shared a little bit about it. We're prayer mobilizers for a group called a Global Alliance for Church Multiplication. It's a really big name, right? Global Alliance for Church Multiplication. And it's a group of 80 organizations and churches from around the world who have a mission to plant 5 million churches around the world. 
they've already planted about 1.4 million churches. And Rosie and I get the privilege of helping these organizations develop a culture of prayer. You know, prayer, we talk about prayer. We understand what prayer is all about. But so few of us are really praying. And it's fundamental, a transformation in our individual lives, in the body life of a church, in our city, in our state, in our nation, that prayer is fundamental. Um, so where are we now? I want to read a, a few verses from Scripture that have kind of, um, at least for me, I can't speak for Rosie, but, uh, but these verses have become the commission for me and, and kind of in my life. Um, and I think they should be the commission uh, for all of us. If you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, we have a charge to be activated, um, to reach out, to touch, to encourage, to love uh, the people around us. They so desperately need it. Just like we need it here, there's people out there that need it. I know Bob's always concerned about reaching out to the community and the neighborhood. And these words are from uh, Luke chapter 4. And I, I know what I'm going to read is what Jesus was saying about himself. But I think they apply to us. I really think they apply to us. Um, because I think this is our charge. This is the mantle that we should be carrying around as believers. So it's in Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 8. It's 18 and 19. And this is what Jesus said. The Spirit... Of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. So, how do these verses apply? Um, they, they really came, at least to me, in reality when we attended um, a GACX Global Prayer Summit in 2017. And at the, at the summit, there was this one amazing South African crazy guy by the name of Colin Millar who has an unbelievable zest for prayer. And he, he, he asked Rosie and I, he challenged us, you know, to pray. Uh, and we were introduced to a lifestyle of prayer. And I'd never really been introduced to a lifestyle of prayer. I knew about prayer, but not where it was a lifestyle. Uh, we, we began to realize that prayer is the foundation for what Jesus was kind of talking about in Luke chapter 4. Anybody heard of Andrew Murray? He's a, Bob probably has, and a guy from the early 1800s, uh, missionary, pastor. Uh, and I've just come to love what he talks about in terms of prayer. But listen to this. I have two quotes. Andrew Murray said, The evangelization, the evangelization of the world depends first, first of all upon a revival of prayer. Bob talked about having prayer on Monday night, right? Deeper than the need for men or women, deep down at the bottom of our spiritless life is the need for forgotten secret of prevailing worldwide prayer. Here's another quote. The man or woman who mobilizes the Christian church to pray 
will make the greatest contribution to world evangelization in history. You want to be, you, you want to see things happen? Then show up together and pray. Show up together and pray. Okay? We can have a praise and worship concert, and how many people will show up? Be honest. Praise and worship. Everybody will show up, right? You know, the bells and whistles, and the, you know, we'll be all jumping and hopping around. You call for a prayer meeting, how many people show up? Three. Maybe four. Um, isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? The most fundamental thing that we can do to change the world for Jesus Christ is to pray. Yeah, it's, we do it, so, so little of it. It's just, it's incredible. So Colin challenged us with this question. I've shared it with Bob numerous times, but it changed our lives. Here's the question. If I could pray for you for one thing personally today, what would it be? And he said, he asked us, he said, pray that with three people a day. If I could pray for you for one thing personally today, what would it be? And to touch three people each day. Is that hard? Does anybody here meet more than three people a day? There you go. Does anyone meet people during the day? Does anyone go to Publix or Winn-Dixie or whoever? Absolutely. You're meeting people all day long. Well, that challenge, that question has revolutionized our life. I can't tell you how many miracles that we have seen because we've asked for that one question. Prayer is the foundation for each of us as we walk out Luke 4. The Lord asks us to be available, and as we pray for others in the power of his Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord will be upon you. Be upon you. He will anoint you, each one of you here, to bring good news to the poor. People are poor in so many different areas, aren't they? It's not just about finances. Look around. People are poor emotionally, physically, spiritually. People are walking around like they're a mess. You know, you don't have to watch the news to understand that. People are poor. And he wants to use you and me to bring the good news. We're the vehicles. Wouldn't have been my choice, but we are the vehicles that he's chosen to bring good news to the poor. Do you know anybody in your sphere of influence that might need the good news? Anybody here? Okay. What prevents you from going to talk to them about Jesus Christ? Or what prevents us from asking that question? If I could pray for you for one thing personally today, what would it be? Nothing. I mean, fear? What, is they, what are they going to do? Say no? They're going to reject you? Maybe. But does it really make a difference in the kingdom of God? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. He wants us to share the love of Jesus to people we meet along the way. We were, we were at Publix a f- number of weeks ago, and a friend came in. Bob knows, I think, Dave Strathman. You know Dave? And Dave was so fired up that he, uh, he had just received a healing, 
And he was filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he's telling us all this stuff. And what did we do? Hey, Dave, if there was one thing I could pray for you for personally today, what would it be? So he tells us, and then here's the three of us, in Publix, okay, in the produce section, praying. Were we praying silently? No. People think we're weird? Absolutely. But who cares? Who cares? Is is God more important than what people think of you? I hope so. I don't. Sometimes I struggle. I know I struggle. I know we all do. But um, I think God. We need to be more concerned about God than about us along the way. As you engage with others and are filled with the Spirit and pray, He will He will use you to proclaim captives. Will proclaim that the captives will be released, and that the blind will see, and the oppressed will be set free. So many people are being held captive today. So many people. Sometimes I look at the young folks around, and um, they're held captive by so much stuff, you know. And he wants to use us, even if we're a bit older, to help set them free. You might know someone in your family that needs to be set free. Maybe there's addiction problems, emotional problems. A lot of people are captive to debt. What about family relationships? There's a lot of captivity in family relationships. He wants to use us to help them be set free. Rosie and I, in the last, I guess, year, have gotten so many words about the prodigals returning home. You know, and, and we didn't realize how many prodigals are out there. Every family we talk to has somebody that they need to return to the Lord. So we're believing through prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit, that those prodigals are going to be returning home. You know, we, we need to see that happen. You know, it's just not that one story in Scripture where the prodigal came home. It's other people. We met three guys who were released from drugs, drug addiction, like that. Turned their life upside down. Prodigals returned home. Amen? Amen. We need to see that happen. People need to be set free. He wants us to give sight to the blind. And I don't mean just physical blindness. Um, So many blind spots today. We have them. I got them. We have blind spots. Um, He wants to give us sight back. He wants to give us his sight. Um, He wants to use us to help open the eyes of the blind. Uh, Not by beating them over the head with this. But it's by loving on them and caring for them and encouraging them along the way and be willing to pray for them. You know, Jesus talked about finding a person of peace in the community to help reach other people. Well, be that person of peace. Be that person of peace. Um, He wants to use us as we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit to give, to give sight. He wants us to be agents of freedom. There is freedom in a relationship with Jesus. John eight thirty two says, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John eight thirty six says, If the Son sets you free, you are truly free. There is true freedom in Christ. And he wants to use us to set people free. Lastly, 
um, the verses in, in Luke 4, uh, he wants us in the power of the Holy Spirit to pray because he's going to pour out the Lord's favor on the lives of the people we pray for each day. And I looked up one of the definitions of favor. Now listen to this. It says, finding favor means gaining approval, acceptance, or special benefits or blessings. How many people do you know need approval? Do you need approval? Yeah. Do you need acceptance? Do you need benefits? Do you need to be blessed? Yeah, we all do. He wants, to be, he wants to use us as that agent where we can demonstrate God's favor in the life of people we meet. You know, there's so many people that are desperate for all of those things. He wants you and me to be ambassadors of encouragement. I didn't get a lot of encouragement when I was a kid. I think the word I remembered more than anything else was no. Or, you can't do that. Anyone ever experienced that? What does that do to a person's psyche when they hear no and you can't do that? Anyone ever done that to you? How does it make you feel? How does it make you feel? Anybody? You can't do it. You're less. You're discouraged, right? All right? Are we sometimes that way with people? I was thinking sometimes with our own daughters, I probably wasn't the most encouraging, you know, along the way. I probably was a, said no a lot because that's all I knew, you know. But we're just as bad sometimes as the world, you know, in terms of the no, in terms of you can't do that, uh, particularly saying it to people that have a passion and enthusiasm about doing something that's way out of our realm of possibility. But, you know, maybe that's what God wants them to do. So we need to be encouragers. We need to be like Barnabas, son of encouragement. What if Barnabas didn't go after this guy whose name was Saul who turned into Paul? Think about that. Did anyone else go after Paul? Thank God for Barnabas. I don't know how far that was from where, where he was living, Antioch to Arabia, wherever Paul was hanging out for so many years. But he went to encourage Paul to come back. There's probably people you know in your life that you need to encourage and ask them to come back, to come back to God's kingdom. We need to be ambassadors of encouragement. Can I share one story and then we'll close? I know as a pastor, I've learned that you've got to have at least five closings. <laughs> okay, you guys are laughing. It must happen before. Um, I, was in, uh, I was in the Nissan dealership uh, on, uh, on Phillips Highway down here. And uh, I was getting my oil, oil changed. And I'm sitting there, and i got a whole bunch of books on the table. And uh, there was my Bible and a couple other books. And this girl, lady starts walking around me. I'm going, this is really weird. What the heck does she want? And so finally she said, are those books about work or about faith? So I said, well, they're about faith. There's my Bible. She said, I thought so. Uh, so I asked her the question. If I could pray for you for one thing personally today, what would it be? And she looked at me, 
And she said, yeah. And then she started crying. I'm a Christian. I received Christ a long time ago. Uh, the Lord had, she had received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. She just went on and on and on and on. She said, but I'm living in sin. And I don't want to go back to the church because I'm scared the church is going to judge me. Have you heard that before? And I looked at her and I said, am I judging you right now? She said, no. She said, God's not going to judge you either. Come home. And so we prayed. She walked away. I was pretty excited, you know. Wow, pretty cool. She's crying. People, in the, people at Nissan are going, these people are really weird. <laughs> Got to get rid of this guy quick. Um, anyway, uh, I'm sitting there still reading this stuff, and all of a sudden she shows back, shows back up at the table where I was sitting. She goes, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah, sure. Where do you go to church? So we told her where we were going to church. And she said, um, do you have a nursery? I said, yeah, I think so. I'm old. I don't think about nurseries anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, I so said, we have a nursery. And she said, would it be okay if I came with my grandkids? I said, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so I invited her to come to church. Now, how many people have you invited to church have actually come? Okay? One. Okay, cool. I'm not alone in that regard. So I figured, well, I'm going to ask her to invite her to come to church. I'll never see her again. She lived in Arlington. And our church is in Mandarin. So uh, next Sunday, guess who shows up? She showed up with her two grandkids, introduced her to Rosie. Um, she came to the church. She's been coming to the church. She's been taking an active role. She moved out of a relationship that wasn't right with God, not because anyone beat her over the head and said, you're in sin, okay, because people loved on her and encouraged her. That's being an ambassador. That's being a Barnabas-type ambassador that he's calling us to be. That's what he wants you and I to be. So what do we do with this, with all the stuff I just said? I'll be honest. Um, a lot of times when guys get up or women get up and they preach, and then you listen and then you go away and you do absolutely nothing with it, right? Sometimes by the time you leave the door, you don't remember what anybody said. Is that only me? Okay, cool. No offense, Bob. I'm just saying it. I'm the same way. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, what do we do? What do we do with what I just said or talked about? Um, I want to put out a challenge to you guys. I'm an attorney. I like action points, action steps. I like people to do stuff. Um, I think we all should be doing stuff. So here's the challenge. Remember the question? Anybody remember the question? If, what, if, if I could pray for you for one thing personally today, what would it be? Five out of 20 is pretty good. If you were batting that well, you'd be a millionaire in baseball. Um, that's the question. If I could pray for you for one thing personally today, what would it be? And the challenge is to do it with three people a day. Anybody up for doing it? Okay. You really up for doing it? I'm going to ask you to come up front 
If you really are going to do it. Now, I'm not putting a guilt trip on anybody. But this is really serious because I think this will transform your life. And if you're, if you're willing to do that, I want you to come up. And I'm going to ask Bob. I didn't even tell him before. Is that as you come up, Rosie and I will just go behind each one and kind of lay hands on it. But just pray that Luke 4 chapter over you as you agree to pray that prayer. You've been listening to a teaching from Vineyard Church in Jacksonville, Florida. For more information on teachings and special events, visit us online at www.vcjax.org. That's vcjax.org. 